Hey guys, Jesus is our high priest, and it's one of the most amazing revelations, I believe, for the body of Christ today, understanding how he mediates the new covenant, the fact that he baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, and that we have an advocate and intercessor in heaven uh, who is sustaining and applying the magnificent work of our redemption. I hope it encourages you. Well, I love you guys. Watching you worship uh, Jesus is, is awesome. I like, to, I like to look around during worship. You know, we worship long enough, you should just learn to enjoy it. There's different ways you can, you can engage with Jesus. You know that, right? It doesn't have to just be the melody or the song. You may not like the song, but, but when you turn around and you see someone loving on Jesus, it makes you worship Jesus. Amen. They're leading the room musically, but many of you are, are worship leaders in the way because you, you just love him so well. And uh, I just want to honor you, uh, and I'm sure the over, overflow room was the same. I just couldn't, couldn't see you. Uh, but man, you guys love him so well. And I just felt his pleasure over you this morning. I, I even felt specifically, if you felt like you weren't able to stay dialed in throughout the whole time, that's okay. Uh, you're just, he just has a smile on his face, amen? Uh, well, I just want to welcome you. Are you new? Raise your hand if you're new here. You've never been to the upper room. My goodness, look around. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're here. Um, we, we are uh, just a group of people who love Jesus. And um, you'll see on the wall we have, I don't know if it's a sticker or paint, but it's, a, it's words and it says, His presence transforming lives morning, noon, and night. Um, we, we are a community that is about the presence of Jesus. Uh, we believe it's the primary thing for the body of Christ is the person and the presence of Jesus. How many of you know your Bible say that in his presence is fullness of joy? Amen. So one of the ways he transforms your life is he brings joy into it. Fullness of joy. The first church meeting, people were so drunk on the spirit that, that people, were, people literally thought they were drunk on wine. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. I know it's church. I know it's Sunday morning. I know we're looking good. It's Father's Day. But I, I want to encourage you. God wants to bring joy to your heart this morning. Because his joy is your strength. You think you, need, you think you need some answer. And he says, no, you just need my wine. Yeah. <laughs> So if your faith doesn't have room for, for being intoxicated, meaning, here's what intoxication means. I'm not the, uh, you know, well, whatever, I'm not going to say that. I just grew up, <laughs> I didn't grow up, you know, with this, with this stuff, and so it's funny to me, but then it's in the Bible, then you're like, man, don't get offended at the Bible. You know, we say we love the Bible, and then we experience the Bible, and we get offended at, at the people who are experiencing the Bible. <laughs> And so here's my thing is, is I want your faith to have room for you to be intoxicated, meaning you're, you're so aware of the love of God that all of your problems and issues are swallowed up by his love and his power and his presence. That's strength. That's joy. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to talk some about that this morning, but um, I wrote a, this is my second book. It's called Back to Pentecost. Um, we just celebrated Pentecost last weekend. Amen. Not enough amens. We need, to, we need like to come back to Pentecost. I wrote a book called Back to the Gospel. Michael Freeland says that I'm like the Michael J. Fox of the upper room. I'm the back to guy, back to the everything. I'm working on back to the garden. I just figured we'll just keep going. Um, let me ask you, anyone's 
birthday today. Your birthday, can I give you this? Happy birthday. Yeah. My man Alzavian will be selling those books after the service, so if you want to study a book on the Holy Spirit, and specifically the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which I'm gonna talk a little bit about today, I encourage you to get that book. Um, how many of you know the baptism of the Holy Spirit is sort of a touchy topic in the body of Christ? Yeah, okay, so we're in the right place. Um, I wrote that with, a, with an air of humility because I grew up in a denomination that did not embrace or understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and and since I experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and walked around some circles that had been walking in the baptism of the Holy Spirit for some time, I experienced from time to time, uh, sometimes, not all the time, but a sense of spiritual pride and arrogance that, that, that put off this air of superiority that made people feel small who hadn't experienced what they experienced and didn't speak in tongues and all that business, right? We, we, so there's just a whole mess there. Um, and so... Uh, my heart in writing that book, and even this morning, uh, was to really get to the heart of the matter. Um, I don't believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is about tongues. I don't believe it's about a denomination. Uh, I believe it's about the power of God. And, and that power has a lot of expressions. And that's biblically what Jesus said, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit would mark their life with power. And so um, the, this morning, in the next two weeks, um, I am going to talk about Jesus as high priest. Say amen. amen. <laughs> we, are going to, we are going to examine Jesus, our high priest. Now, if you're not familiar with uh, the old covenant, um, if you've just kind of grown up in church and you don't really have a, a, a grasp or a grid for uh, the old covenant system and how Israel related to God, that word, even that, that, that title, doesn't do anything to your heart. Um, when you understand what, what that means for you, um, when, when you present Jesus as high priest, when the revelation of Jesus comes to your heart as high priest, you will be drunk on the Spirit. I promise you. It is, it is one of the most magnificent revelations to those of us who have been born into the family of God. Uh, and so we're going to examine that closely this morning. Um, and so just pray with me, because uh, I'm going to need help. Father, we love you. Thanks for what you're doing already uh, in this room, Lord. Healing bodies, touching hearts, and, uh, and quickening us to know you, Lord. And I just ask right now for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. For every heart, Lord. For every heart that, that somehow, God, through, uh, through your word, that your grace would be poured out and we would know you more this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to read a few scriptures. If you want to go to Galatians 1. We'll start in verse 11. Uh, I just want to show you a couple things. Uh, I'm going to try to stay, stay on, on task here because I feel like I do have an assignment from the Lord. I've heard from the Lord. Um, this thing of Pentecost is really important. I even think it's on God's heart. How many of you know that that windstorm last Sunday, Pentecost, wasn't a fluke? Those, that's not accidental, the, the day biblically that's described as a mighty rushing wind when the heart of God is fulfilled and the Spirit's poured out, and here we have in our city this mighty rushing wind that rips through our city on Pentecost, God's trying to tell you something. In, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, first the natural, then the spirit, spiritual. And so there's a revelation. If you understand the language of the Spirit, God will speak to you through things like that. 
Um, I don't know if you remember uh, two years ago uh, on Pentecost 2017, we had a similar instance. I won't go into that, but there was this massive storm cloud that descended over the city of Dallas. How many of you remember that storm cloud? It culminated this 50-day event. If y'all have it, you can put it up. Um, you don't have to, but um, there was this, this incredible, yeah, look at this. This was on Pentecost two years ago. And, and all the, even some of the news, the weather guys reported, it had some name, it had some name. It was like a phenomenon. Um, a what, a supercell? Yeah. Anyway, it's not a tornado. It's literally a rain cloud. And, uh, and again, there's just, God's doing something in our city. Um, and I just want to be where he is. Amen? All right. So look at this, Galatians 1, 11. Paul says this, he says, I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So check this, Paul preached a gospel, but he says it wasn't man's gospel. The gospel that he preached was a revelation of Jesus Christ. I was trying to, I prayed for my daughter last night, she's seven, um, and, and she loves Jesus. She's amazing. Um, and I, I said, God, give her a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And she goes, revelation? Like that? And, and the reason she said that, because I got her a Bible for her seven-year-old birthday, and she read Revelation, and she kind of got freaked out. <laughs> and uh, she can read at seven. Um, and we, she ended up reading uh, the story of, of Gomer and, and all that thing, and that was interesting. That provoked some talks that we weren't <laughs> planning on having. <laughs> with her at seven. Um, but anyway, the Bible's real. Christy's like, maybe we should monitor. I'm like, no, let's just let her read it all. And um, so anyway, she read Revelation. So when I prayed the spirit of Revelation, she was like, Revelation? I said, yeah. I said, let me explain it to you. And I, and I was trying to say, Revelation is just like when, when you, something's there, but, but you can't see it, but it's there. And then all of a sudden, it's like you pull the thing away and you can see it. It's revealed, and that was an aha for her. Oh, that's revelation. I said, yeah, that's what, that's what Jesus wants, is that when you know Jesus, he constantly, by the Holy Spirit, will, will remove like, revelation. Like, oh, you get it? Like, oh, that's revelation. When, when, when that happens in your heart, oh. And, and here's what I want to present to you just humbly this morning, is that the gospel is not about you. It's, it's not about you going to heaven. It's not about your sins being forgiven. That's not the gospel. Uh-oh. The gospel is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And there's, there's, there's layers and there's order to that revelation of Jesus. And I'll just submit this to you. You can study this out on your own. Uh, and we may look at it a little closely, more closely next week. But um, I believe the three primary revelations of Jesus in, in this distinct order are necessary for someone to get born again, to grow up in God, and to be consummated at the end of the age. It's the revelation of Jesus as the Lamb of God who initiates our redemption and salvation. It's the revelation of Jesus as our high priest who sustains and applies our sanctification and our redemption. And it's a revelation of Jesus as bridegroom and judge who will consummate our salvation when he returns. That is the gospel, is this, is this revelation of Jesus from lamb to high priest to bridegroom judge, all in succession for the believer's heart. 
And what we've done, I believe, in the body of Christ is we've presented man's gospel, which is all about man. And when you do that, that your, your, your Christian life becomes about you. In a, in a weird, twisted way, we've put humanism on the gospel and we've presented, this is what Jesus did and is good news for you if you respond to it. Wrong. The gospel is good news whether you believe it or not. Jesus is good all by himself. So, so to truly present the gospel is just to declare who Jesus is, what he's done, and to bring a revelation of if you engage with that and go, yeah, that's for me, you'll receive something from him called salvation, called life, called peace, called power, called purity. Amen? And so what I want to do this morning is I, and, and next week is I want to present Jesus to you as high priest. Because his, his role and his revelation of Jesus as high priest is perhaps the single most uh, important revelation. If you've been born again, if you've uh, uh, given your life and made covenant with Jesus, then I believe right now understanding who Jesus is as high priest um, is, is paramount to you living a fruitful Christian life. And I would be willing to submit and bet that a lot of where you feel stuck has to do with your lack of revelation and connection to Jesus Christ as your high priest. Now, we, we talk a lot about in this place, uh, ministry to the Lord, and it's our highest value. Like morning, noon, and night, we have these musicians and prayer leaders and people gather in this room, and we believe, we actually believe we can touch the heart of God. We believe that. We believe that when we gather and there's not like what you, what you saw here, the reason why I believe it's authentic and God's breathing upon what's happening is because we're not doing this for you. We're doing it for him. Yeah. Worship's always been about him. It's not about a church service. It's not warm up for the word. It's the meal. And so I, we, people come, they're coming to check this out. And why is this and what's God doing? It's because we love him and we've, we've put our money where our mouth is. We're not doing this to gather people. We, we started in 2010 because we were hungry for God. We, we, listen, we didn't have some master plan to start a worship movement. Like we were hungry people. We were hungry, uneducated, ordinary people who loved God and wanted to pursue him. And in his wisdom, he decided to come and show up. And when God shows up, people show up. And that's awesome. And I love you. And you know what's happened is he's given me this heart for you. And now I stay awake at night thinking about you. <laughs> I think about your faith. I think about your love. I think about this role God's given me as a, as a steward of the gospel, as a, as a father in this house to go, man, I'm here to serve your faith. I'm here to come underneath you to make you fall deeper in love with Jesus so that you can manifest his glory and goodness to the world around you. That's why we're here this morning. And I believe that our, our witness as the body of Christ has been compromised because we do not understand or connect with Jesus as our high priest. Now, now there's, there's a lot of ministries, ministries to the Lord, ministry for the Lord. Um, I love all of it. We need all of it. We need to minister for the Lord. We need to go to the nations. We need to preach the gospel. I love doing crusades in Africa. I love doing crusades anywhere. I love seeing the sick healed, healed and demons cast out. I love that. Like, it makes me, man, one of the coolest meetings was last year in Africa, in Uganda. We were in the bush, and it was like the glory of God was there, and there was these 500 people, and it was just demons being cast out, and people being born again, and it was just, I'm like, that's home for me. That's home for me. Oh, my goodness. Um, we did a fire tunnel, by the way. Can I tell you this story? 
I told the pastor there's about 500 people in this busted church. It didn't even have a roof. We were in the bush in Africa. And I said, Pastor, I feel like we're supposed to do a fire tunnel. He said, what's a fire tunnel? <laughs> I was like, you're kidding me. He says, no, what's a fire tunnel? I said, well, me and my team, we're gonna make a tunnel and we wanna lay hands on every person in this room. He said, are you sure? I said, yes, sir, if it's okay with you, <laughs> you know, we come underneath. And he goes, well, let's make two lines. I said, no, 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 no. I said, two lines. I said, you've never done this before. They'll go through the one, and then everyone will go through the other one because they want everyone to lay hands on them. We do one line. <laughs> and so we did this fire tunnel, and y'all, it was like spring break for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he, he had a blast. <laughs> Oh my goodness, he loves healing people and delivering people. Jesus loves it. Oh, he loves it, he's not afraid. So I totally forgot where I was. I was in Africa preaching ministry, got it, I got it. So listen, there's, there's all these ministries, but there's one ministry I believe that, that, that hinges, that those ministries hinge upon, and it's the ministry of Jesus. It's not ministry to Jesus or ministry for Jesus. How many of you know Jesus Christ has a ministry right now? He has a ministry team and he has a ministry. Did you guys know this? Did you know that Jesus received a ministry? Oh my goodness. I'm gonna show you. All right, here we go. There's four things I'm gonna present to you that Jesus, uh, as his minister, his ministry as high priest, I believe there's four things that we can look for uh, and that we can experience through the high priest. The first thing that I believe Jesus does as a high priest is he baptizes believers in the Holy Spirit. That's what he does as, 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 the, as the initiating of his ministry as high priest is he baptizes Christians into the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna unpack that, that aspect of Jesus's ministry as high priest this morning, amen, hallelujah? All right, he does three other things. Uh, there's probably more. Um, that was Mark 1.8. You can put up Mark 1.8 just so you can see it in your Bible. I want to make sure that, that you know that this term, baptism of the Holy Spirit, is in your Bible. Mark 1.8, if you want to go there, or they're going to put it on the screen here in a second. This is John the Baptist. He says, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Um, just a quick visual for you. Um, again, we have focused a lot. If you bristle at that term, if you get frustrated because you've been offended by spiritual pride, I'm sorry. Um, but let's not throw out the reality and the beauty of this word, this phrase, this work of Jesus as high priest, because some person who was immature in their faith didn't know how to operate in that. I said last night, I said, if someone made you feel less than uh, because, because they had the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues, and, and they made you feel less than because you didn't, because you didn't have some expression, I'm not sure that they were baptized in the Spirit. I, I mean that. There, there is some spiritual pride and arrogance that's just wicked. And it's shut people off. And what it's made is this other group of people go, well, I have all of God that I need. Do you? I don't know that you do. <laughs> and, and here's what I wanna do, because we can squabble and we can get in an argument and fight and tooth and nail and denominations and go, well, well, it's about this manifestation. It's about tongues and prophecy and the gifts. It's not about any of that. It's about a revelation of Jesus Christ as high priest. Stop looking at, at yourself. Stop looking at the expression of, well, what's it gonna look like in me? I'm gonna compare myself to this. Why don't we take our eyes off of ourselves, off of man's gospel and how it's affecting man, and let's put our eyes back on the high priest. Let's discover the heart of God. If this is something that John the Baptist said, it was the, it was the, the, 
demarcation. This prophet, this man is going to be distinct from every other prophet. Why? Because he baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. We should pay attention to that. Amen. This was heaven's billboard, heaven's announcement of the Messiah. And he says, hey, he's going to, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Here's the picture. John is in the River Jordan, and he's taking folks, and he's dunking them in the river. You got that, that visual in your head? And John stands up, and he goes, guys, I've made you wet with water, but the one coming after, after you is going to make you He's gonna dip you in a river called God. That's the imagery he's trying to convey. We've made it, well, well uh, it's about this. No, no, no. He's saying Jesus Christ is going to take you and there's a river called God. And he's going to dunk you in the river called God. <laughs> And so we understand why, oh, the water, it's washing, it's cleansing. Oh, I get it. There's, there's, there's some, some symbolism and imagery there. Like, I get that. It's the cleansing of my sins. But we have to understand, why would God dip us in God? <laughs> why would he do that? Why would God dip you in God? You got to get into his heart because if you don't see his heart for dipping you in God, you'll just get all mad and frustrated because someone else is this and that. There is something so precious and dear and powerful when you understand why Jesus as high priest dunks you in God. And we're going to look at that this morning. Uh, the second thing he does, Hebrews 8, 6. Can you go there with me? Hebrews 8, 6. Watch this. Um, but as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry. Say, obtained a ministry. So his work as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world qualified him to obtain this ministry. <laughs> He's obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. So here's what I want you to see, is that, that his, his second role, and, and again, these aren't, this is not linear, this is not whatever, but I'm just trying to give you language to understand, is that his, his role, his ministry as high priest is to be a mediator of the new covenant for you today. So let me, let me put it this way. If you've engaged with God, you've been born again, here's what we've done in, in, in the West is we've, we've magnified Jesus the Lamb and we've said you can get born again through the Lamb of God, right? By grace through faith, hallelujah, we present the, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. What we're doing is we're presenting the Lamb. We're presenting the Lamb to the lost and dying world. Why? Because we want them born again. But then when we got them born again, we didn't present the high priest and we didn't present the bridegroom judge. And so we've orphaned believers into this thing of, well, where do I go now? And so all they know is the Lamb. And so what happens is they lack confidence to walk with God. They lack confidence to walk with God because they don't understand they have a high priest in heaven. So they're not confident before God. They don't know where they stand with God. They're constantly wondering, do I have peace with God? Does God love me? Am I right with God? And here's, a, here's evidence that, that we don't have a revelation of high priest. This is not a condemnation. Listen, I don't know if you're like me. I like being really honest. And I like it when God's really honest with me. I love it when he rebukes me. Do you know that? Oh my gosh, we live in days where like, well, he's, no, he can't rebuke. Are you kidding me? 
if he's not, if your father's not rebuking you and disciplining you in love, you may not be walking with him. You may be walking with some concept that you've constructed about God, but God is a good father and he disciplines the children that he loves. We, we, do, we don't have the right to make up some image of God and say you're walking with God. In hyper, we, we just put all this like emotional language around the love of God. God is love, but sometimes his love is expressed through discipline. And I love it when God speaks to me and says, son, that what you think about me, here's how he disciplines me. He goes, that thought about me is not true. And he, he, he corrects the way that I view him that's false. It's causing me to manifest in shame and defile my conscience with the dead work and all this weird stuff. Are you with me? Because God wants you confident before him. Biblically, he wants you, like, can I just, when, when he comes back, when he splits the sky and Jesus Christ comes back in the same way that he went up, the, my Bible says he wants you confident, not shrinking in shame at his coming. What kind of connection must you have with Jesus Christ that when he splits the sky and the King of Kings and Lord of Lords comes, that you're standing confident? And you're like, oh, I know him, I love him, and I'm gonna be joined in the sky with him. And you stand the righteousness of God because you've dealt with God, you've walked in covenant, you understand the high priest, and on your days on earth, you stood in the counsel of God. And you looked at him face to face. And when he comes, you don't shrink in shame at his coming. Why? Because you know him and your heart's tethered to him. And he's your blessed hope. And this right now, we do not have in the church. I'm afraid that if he comes, we would, we would shrink back. We would, we would fear. Why? Because we just don't know. There's a question mark in our hearts of where we stand with God. And so we need a revelation of, of, of how and, and why he mediates this covenant. The covenant is in his blood, but what Jesus does as high priest is he actually, he actually makes it real to you. He, he makes it a real living encounter with your father. He brings you to the father in covenant. He goes, now you're as close as you can ever be to, to, to dad. That's, that's his role as high priest, is that even in your weakness, in your shame, in your, in your humanity, he says, hey, while you're still being sanctified, I'm bringing you close face to face with your father. He'll swallow up your weakness. He'll swallow up your insufficiencies. He'll swallow up all your, your carnalness, and you're going to live and walk by the Spirit and covenant with me. That should be good news for you. All right, the third thing he does, First uh, John 2, 1, this is so important. This changed my life. This is perhaps the greatest evidence that we, we need a revelation in this hour of Jesus the high priest. Look at this. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if, everyone say if. Interesting. Interesting. If, not when. As a, as a believer, in new covenant with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, having been born of God, you have permission to live free from sin the rest of your life. If you sin, if you sin, what do we have? An advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. For about 10 years of my Christian life, I struggled with pornography. And every time I stumbled and fell, I anticipated a judge. I heard a voice that says, you should know better by now. 
and I wondered whether I was doing enough. I wondered why I wasn't free. I questioned. I questioned my own motive. Even though I hated the sin, I knew it was wrong. I didn't want it, I, I, was, I despised it. It caused me shame, it caused me guilt, it caused me self-hatred and depression and, and all this wicked stuff. And I never, I never saw the advocate. I never saw Jesus presenting himself in the moment. Like I'm talking about, he says, if we sin, he's talking about if we transgress the law of God, if we do what we know we ought not to do, Jesus Christ, the righteous, presents himself. And he's like, I'm your helper. In that moment, he's not saying, he's not saying, okay, now what do you need to do to get right with me? And here's what happens in the church, and, and here's how I know it, because I did it for so many years. Because we don't have a revelation of high priest, we just go back to the lamb. We go back to the only thing we know, and we go, well, I just need to go back and get forgiven by God. But it feels weird because we know we're forgiven, but we're just gonna go back to the lamb because that's the only revelation of God that we were given. And so, and so we're like, oh, and so, oh, Lord, I, and then we don't really know how much we've forgiven, and so we look to ourselves and go, well, I need to repent enough. I need to read my Bible enough. I need to let time elapse enough for the anger of God to settle, and then I can start walking with you again. That's evidence that you only know the lamb. And that's good because that, that keeps you from getting reprobate and going wheels off and, and all that stuff, right? Because you still have that some sense of awareness of God. But the reality is, if that's what you're doing, you're treating the blood of the lamb like the old covenant blood of bulls and goats. When, when you just keep, well, I just need to go back to the blood. I need to go back to the blood. Listen, the blood is our foundation. But he, but he births you into this intimate covenant with your high priest. And it's the high priest who's your helper that mediates the covenant that will swallow up all the things you're wrestling with today. Leviticus 6.13 says this. It was instructions to the... See, if you don't understand the old covenant Levite system, you don't really have an appreciation for what Christ does. I love the word of God. I consume it. I gobble it up as much as I can. I love this thing so much. I love the Old Testament. How many people are saying, I, I was asked this last, last week, they were like, is the teachings of Jesus still applicable today? <laughs> well, because he was preaching to people, you know, under the law. Oh, I had to be super gentle. I just said, <laughs> I, just, I just said, yes, they are very much applicable. And the Old Testament the Old Testament, your entire Bible is applicable to you. Do you know when your Bible is, listen, listen to me. Do you know when your Bible says in the New Testament that all scriptures God breathed, that they didn't have the New Testament, he's talking about the law and the prophets? You can find Jesus in all of it. Let me prove it to you. Leviticus 6.13, it says this to the, to the, to the, to the Levites who were the priests of old. They were the high priests. They said, listen, the fire, this is what God told them. The fire must be kept burning on the altar. It shall never go out. It's, it needs to burn continually before me. That was the priest's job. That was, his, that was the onus of responsibility rested upon the high priest to keep a fire burning on a literal altar. My Bible says in Hebrews that all of those things were a type and shadow of the realities in heaven. In the new covenant, I don't know if you knew this, but you and I are the temples of the Holy Spirit. We become the tabernacle with Jesus as our high priest. Your heart becomes the altar. My goodness. Oh, my goodness. 
your spiritual zeal and fire and momentum rests, the onus of responsibility rests on your high priest, Jesus, who is intended and purposed to keep the fire burning on the altar of your heart. It is, it is his ministry to keep the fire of God's spirit and presence burning on your heart. He goes, I'm never gonna let it go out. Oh my gosh. When you understand that Jesus' intent and purpose is to literally keep the fire of God burning on your heart, faith and love, and, and that's what he's doing right now. He's alive to minister to you. Y'all don't, don't like that. Our flesh doesn't like that because we like working for God. I know I did. I took, I took pride in that. The third, the third, the fourth thing he did, um, Hebrews 7, 23 to 25, and then we need to hop in here. I'm, I'm so far behind. It's okay. I'm right where I need to be. But watch this. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. Unbelievable. But he, <laughs> but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So not only is he a baptizer, the original Baptist, he is a mediator, he's an advocate, and he's an intercessor. You growing up in God and experiencing the fruit that you want to see rests 100% on the grace of God provided to you through our high priest, Jesus. I don't know if, you, I don't know if your heart's getting that. Your, your, your ability to overcome sin, to walk in the power of God, to experience the fullness of what he has for you in this life, your destiny, your purpose, there, there is a grace that flows from the person of Jesus as high priest. And that grace looks like the mediation of the covenant, the intercession, the advocate, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Those are, those are expressions of what he does as high priest. And so I know, I know we all know uh, what happened uh, at Pentecost, but I wanna, I wanna go there because um, Acts chapter two, just stay with me. I know we're, we're going all over the place. But I just want to show you these things in the word because part of what I'm supposed to do in this time is to equip you. And, and the equipping here looks like tethering your heart and giving you a revelation and understanding of how to relate to Jesus today and, and not have to just go back again to a previous revelation. Now, these, these revelations of Jesus, they all go together, amen? Like his revelation as lamb and high priest and bridegroom, they don't trump one another. There's not one that's better than the other. They're all just, just different aspects of who he is for you and me. Amen? So I, I wanna talk about the first thing that he does as high priest is he baptized a group of 120 in the upper room with the Holy Spirit. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna just read a couple of these scriptures to you. You can follow along. Um, and then we're gonna, I'm gonna give you an opportunity this morning. I just believe we're gonna come stand before the high priest. We're gonna stand before the high priest. Um, and I believe there's an invitation this morning for you uh, for the power of God. God wants to clothe you with his power. He wants to clothe you with his power. And so uh, look at Luke 24, 49. 
I'll just put these up on the screen. I'm gonna read them to you. This is Jesus talking. He says, behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Acts 1, 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. When I read that, and if you look at that context, you can, you can almost see the twinkle in Jesus' eye. Not many days from now. You, you can just see this thing bubble up in his heart. In his heart, he was waiting, the Godhead was waiting to baptize humanity with the Holy Spirit. Why? This is where we get to the why, and this is where we're gonna end this morning. Because we, again, like I said, it's not about tongues. Tongues may happen. If God dips you in God, I'm surprised that more doesn't happen than tongues. How do we not blow up? Come on. You, we, just, we just put this religious stuff. Well, the baptism, have you got your baptism in the Spirit? What are you saying? You're saying, has God dipped you in God? How do we not die? How clean must the Lamb make us for us to be dipped in God and we come up and we're not dead? How, where is sin? How, how, can, how can spirit be joined to spirit and there still be sin in my spirit? How can the Holy Spirit clothe me and I still be sinful? Can't happen. Can't happen. There, there, is, a, there is a sufficiency in the Lamb that we need to make Jesus really, really big again. Like we are desperate in the body of Christ to make Jesus big again. We have tolerated, we have tolerated sinfulness and we've made, we've made our brokenness big and we've made our Jesus really small. Here's what I believe. I believe there's enough grace and saving power in my Jesus to liberate from you and me every effect of the fall of man in this life. Every effect, every sickness, every disease, every sinful thought, every, every wicked intention inside of the heart, because I actually believe you can be born of God. Oh, yeah. I believe you can be born of God. I believe you have, we have permission to walk born of God. I'm no longer identifying with the first Adam, judging myself wicked. That's what Adam did. He goes, man, I'm naked. That's bad. That's what he did. He ate the tree, he goes, man, I'm naked, God. I hid, I, I, the reason I hid from you is because I was naked and I was afraid. And God said, who told you that you were naked? We've been hiding from God ever since. Here's what, here's what we've done in the church. We're still judging ourselves naked and bad. We're still judging ourselves unworthy of the presence and love of God. That's your problem, is with the knowledge of good and evil, you're still judging yourself unworthy of his love and affection. And the revelation of the cross is that once and for all, the living God says, hey, I'm judging you worthy of my love. I'm, I'm actually ascribing worth and value to you. Why? Because the Father gave his son for humanity while you were sinning. In the midst of your rebellion, in the height of your lowest, the, 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 the most wicked thing and wicked place you could ever be, he says, hey, in my authority. As a lamb, in my authority, I want you to understand something is that I have the right to demonstrate and lay down my life for you while you're a mess. You may judge yourself unworthy, but if you're born again believer, you can no longer do it. Why? Because once and for all, my king has judged you, loved by God. So as a Christian, we walk around and we're like, well, I don't know. 
Stop it. Stop it. We've got to break that thing off. It doesn't honor God to walk around in a false humility that he crucified 2,000 years ago. He wants you clothed with power. He wants you walking in dominion over sin, over sickness, over disease, over death. Like, that's his desire for you. Why? He wants to put his glory upon you. His high priestly prayer, John 17, I want them to be one as you and I are one. Why? So that they can see the glory that I had in the beginning. What's the glory of God? It's the goodness of God. How are people going to see that God is good unless you become one with the good one? And your life becomes this emanating goodness. Why? Because you're one with the living God. And that everything that flows out of you from what you do, it's, it's ministry is no longer what you do, it's who you are. Because I'm one with the eternal one. I have been clothed with the glory of God and the goodness of God. Everything I do, the way I love my kids, the way I do the dishes, the way I walk into a coffee shop is for the glory of God. I walked into a coffee shop one time and I just took two moments to get my heart right with God and I walked in with a smile on my face because I knew he loved the people inside. I, did, I wasn't feeling any love for them whatsoever. I felt, I was like, man, Lord, I know you love these baristas, but I don't. I don't. I'm in my flesh. I want coffee. I walked into that Starbucks and I go, but God, but you love them. He goes, I love them. He had this big goofy smile on his face and that smile became my smile and I walked into that coffee shop like a son of God smiling and the woman behind the counter, I said nothing. She goes, whoa, you got some good vibes coming off of you. I said, I said, do you know what that is? And she goes, what? I go, it's the love of God. He loves you. She just starts tearing up. You can preach the gospel with your countenance if you walk with God. I'm telling you, it's your inheritance. No more of this walking, well, my day's just hard. Life's hard right now. I get it. That's why you have a high priest. <laughs> All right, check this out. Check this out. Acts 1.8, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to receive power. You're going to receive power. You will receive power, a power that's not your own. There's going to be a power that you will receive when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. Uh, Acts 2, 17 and 18, he begins to, to talk about Joel's prophecy and how, how the, the pouring out of the Spirit would result in prophecy. And finally, in Acts 2, 33, watch this. Uh, Peter is preaching his famous, the first gospel message ever preached, um, was on Pentecost, amen? How many of you know that the gospel wasn't preached on Easter? <laughs> if you got toes in this place, I'm so sorry. Sometimes I just... <laughs> I just think it's weird biblically that the first time man ever preached the gospel was Pentecost. If you, did, if you needed further proof that we need a revelation of Pentecost, look at the West. We've made Easter the day we stand up and preach the gospel, which shows that our highest revelation is the Lamb. 99% of the people in this room who came to Christ and you heard the gospel, you did not associate Pentecost with the gospel. If you've not associated Pentecost with the gospel, that's okay. But you don't have the full gospel without Pentecost. You don't have the full gospel unless you understand the bridegroom. It's a full picture. And when you read the New Testament, you will see the lamb, 
you will see the high priest and you will see the bridegroom judge mentioned throughout all of the New Testament in the proclamation of the word of God. It was never separate. They never just distinguished, like, let's get them born again and preach the lamb to them. It was never separate. It was, their, it was the, the, the apostles, like, their passion was, we gotta give them all of it, because otherwise they'll never grow up in God. This was the problem with the Galatians. They started in the spirit, but they were trying to perfect themselves in the flesh. And Paul's like, stop it. <laughs> stop it. You got the Holy Ghost. And the way you connect and walk with Jesus is through that Holy Spirit. And so... I want, I want to read this last scripture, and then we're going to stand. Oscar, if you want to come up, bro, help us out. We're going to close here and give the Lord time to do what he does. Acts 2.33, when Jesus was exalted at the right hand of God, he received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He has poured out this. He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Here's the picture I wanna leave with you. I don't know if you caught this in the scripture because I didn't give you a ton of context, but, but Peter's saying is that when Jesus was exalted, he was talking about the ascension day, the 40th day after he rose from the dead. It's called ascension day. Gravity stopped working on Jesus and up he went. Okay, you guys know this, right? Negative 9.8 meters per second per second stopped working on Jesus. I had a really good physics teacher in high school. I still remember that. That's gravity. And he starts floating up into heaven. And he's ascending, and his work as lamb is complete. Hallelujah. And now he's, he's about to receive his ministry. This is bananas to me. This is just wild. It says, like, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is called the promise of the Father. Can you, can you imagine and wonder at why the devil would bring such division in the body of Christ over something with such a sacred name, the promise of the Father? Our good Father in heaven going, I wanna, hey, hey, humanity, hey, hey humanity, I wanna promise you something. I, I, want you to, I want you to take off all the baggage you've learned with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I want you to view it with this lens. You have a Father in heaven who made a promise to you through his Son, and here was the promise. I promise you, I'm not gonna leave you an orphan. I promise you, I'm not gonna just forgive your sins and bring you into my family and adopt you into my family and not be a present dad. It makes my heart break because I feel like so many Christians, you've been, you, you signed the adoption papers, you responded to the altar call, you were so happy that day because you were born into the family of God and you got into the house of God and you can't find your dad. You can't find your dad. So you're living with this void, this uncertainty in your consciousness, no different than an orphan. You, the papers have been signed, you're adopted, you're certain, you know that his inheritance, it's a big house, it's a nice house, and you feel the sense of peace, but you don't, you don't really know where he is and you feel distant, why? Because you haven't fully learned that you can approach him confidently. And I believe that his promise to you, his promise was, I'm not gonna just adopt you into my family, but I'm going to give you a power that you need to know me, to walk into my presence, because without the power of the Holy Spirit, you can't know me. 
You can't know me how I want you to know me. You can get forgiven, you can transact with me, you can have your conscience clean for a little bit, but you can't really know me, know me, know me, know me, like we wanna know me. How many of you are like, I want a friendship with God? Is there anything better than friendship and intimacy with our Father? And that's the promise of the Holy Spirit and that power that he gives you is not just, not just to be a witness, it's not just to make him known, it's power to know him. Because the only way you're gonna make him known is if you know him. That's what, that's what he says in John 17, I don't have time to go there right now, we'll go there next week. But he says, he says, Dad, I want them to be one so that the world may know. This promise is a promise of union and certainty and confidence. And I wanna tell you this morning, here's the invitation. Here's the invitation. If you need power in your life to overcome sin and sinfulness, if you've been dominated by sin in your life as a Christian and as a believer and you've lived under the weight of that, of that six cycle carousel, of just, of, of you do good and then you fall and then you go through this period of repentance and you're just in that cycle and you have, and you feel like you have no hope and you're exhausted and you've tried everything. You're like, I need power. This is, this promise is for you. Because what, what the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when God dunks you in God, he gives you power to overcome sin. And then your joy is just wild. The second thing he does is he gives you power to know him. If you've in this place and you go, I, I know God, but I, I, need, I need power to know him more. There's more of him. And as high priest, Jesus receives the Holy Spirit from the Father. Did you catch that in Acts 2.33? The Father actually gives it to Jesus and he secures the right and the authority to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He he is heaven's champion and it cost him everything to take your life and to baptize it in the Holy Spirit. It is so sacred, but it is so sure. And I wanna tell you this in this room tonight, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not some Russian roulette, you know, oh, you get at the end of your life when, you, when you've proven yourself worthy. If you're brand new in Christ and your life is a mess, this is for you. 